Welcome to The Lead, a podcast about how to get ahead in the news industry from the people who did. I'm Jacqueline Gannon. On today's episode, I'm talking to Alyssa Pointer. Alyssa is an independent photojournalist who wants her work, in her words, to make people give a damn about their neighbors. She's worked at multiple newspapers, including the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Alyssa specializes in documentary photography and has done tons of incredible projects of all kinds. Today, we talk about some of those projects, her detainment while covering protests against police brutality in 2020, and covering the stories of the incredibly diverse South. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is produced by the Cox Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership at the University of Georgia's Grady College. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Now, here's the lead. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Jacqueline. I'm excited to be part of the podcast. Awesome. So my first question is, what made you want to be a photojournalist? Well, Jacqueline, to be honest, I did not know what I wanted to do at my senior year of high school. And then um, I was in a kind of graphic designs class and I had a substitute teacher put in a VHS tape of a National Geographic photojournalist. And I literally was like, this is an epiphany. This is what I want to do. I started asking the person a bunch of questions. They obviously had no answers because they were a substitute teacher <laughs> putting a video in for students. Um but I was really um, enthralled by the idea of being able to cover stories, you know, just about community. That one was pretty global, but just in general. And, and I think that that really started me on my journey to try to figure out how I could do it. And so it's been a good journey so far. And I'm really thankful for that substitute teacher for putting in that VHS tape. I love National Geographic. So when you just said that, I was like, yes, that's amazing. Um, and I also love how sometimes the most random encounters seem to alter the, you know, the entire course of a life. So since having that moment, um, you went to school for photojournalism um, and you worked at newspapers for five years as a staff photojournalist um, at both the Chicago Tribune and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and now you're independent. So what motivated you to make that change from newsroom to freelance photography and photojournalism? So I think a really great thing about um, internships is you get to see how different newsrooms um, are. And so I had the opportunity when I was an intern, I interned at the Chicago Tribune before I became a staff um, resident photojournalist. I also interned at the Louisville Courier Journal and I interned at the um, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And so I was able to see how different newsrooms worked. I was able to kind of see what, what the um, the changing demographic and just the culture of newsrooms were. And so um, I really enjoyed that part of it. I got so much learning at the Chicago Tribune and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Um, but what motivated me to change is just, I felt like I kind of um, hit a, a growing point at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I thought that maybe I could try to develop what I really love to do, which is long form storytelling um, as a freelancer, in addition to taking on assignments. And so it wasn't an easy jump. I know a lot of people are like, how did you do it? And it took a lot of planning took a lot of me sitting down and, and kind of, you know, making a list of the things I'll need to do before I go. But I really think it was the best decision for me to make in this time of my life because I'm able to now as a freelancer um, work on a lot of different assignments and I'm able to grow in the um, aspect that I want to grow in, which again is long form storytelling, whether that just be feature stories or investigative stories. I really love connecting with people on a long term basis. Um, and you really don't get to do that at newspapers. It's kind of a one and done situation unless the story is compelling. But then you also have to 
find time to be allowed to do that. Um, and as you may know, newspaper photojournalists, their departments sometimes are shrinking more than any other department at the paper. So. So you kind of mentioned this just now, but can you talk more about why you're attracted to long form storytelling and that type of documentary photojournalism? And I like, like I said, to be uh, have a connection. I think that photojournalism in the sense of newspaper photojournalism, you sometimes don't get that opportunity depending on how many people are on staff, right? So if there's only five people on staff, there's not a big opportunity unless you have someone that can make that time for you to go out and tell longer stories. And so um, I like to connect with people on a, a human basis. I, I really do believe that everyone's story is important, even if it's a small story of like a lady who has chickens in a city and her neighbors hate her. You know, I, I think those stories are important just as much as the big stories about, you know, environmental issues. And so I, I want to be able to connect people with their neighbors. I want people to care for their neighbors. I think that we have kind of lost that aspect because everyone has the ability to pr promote themselves on the internet and show the parts that they want to show. And I think that's important to be able to be in control of your narrative. But I also think it's important for other people to understand what's going on down the street. Cause I think people are so tuned in to social media that they don't take time to wonder what's my neighbor doing, you know? And so I think that that's important. And I kind of feel like that's a calling for me to be able to allow folks' stories to flow through me. I, I'm kind of just a vessel, you know, with a camera and a pen. And I want to be able to let people's stories um, get out there and be seen by others. That's awesome. Um, so kind of moving back to um, newsrooms, back in 2020, while you were still at the AJC, um, you were detained while covering a protest against police brutality after the murder of George Floyd. Um, so can you talk about that experience and how that made you feel? Yeah. So um, during that time, I don't remember how many days after it had started, um, the unrest started in Atlanta, but I was covering a group that was kind of marching down a interstate corridor and they ended up finding their way on the interstate. And so I followed them and took some photos. And um, on my way back up from that, I was detained um, by a police entity. Uh, and it kind of just reminded me as a person of color covering these events that a badge can only get you so far, right? And, and that people are going to assume things about you even if you have what you need on you. And so that instance just made me more determined to keep being to keep pushing for access to photograph things that I think are important and just gave me the feeling of, you know, this may stop me once, but it's not gonna stop me again. I'll be honest, it was not the best feeling. It did make me feel good to be detained while I was doing my job, but I was very thankful for the other people in the media world in Atlanta who were able to speak on my behalf to get the, um, person detaining me to let me go. So I think that that's something I sort of kind of missed when I'm working at a newsroom. You know, you've got that family or just, you know, that community um, that'll kind of watch your back. And so um, I was very thankful for that in that instance. But it wasn't the best experience, but I've learned a lot from it. And I'm, I'm growing. And like I said, I'm now even more determined to continue telling stories. It's hard um, when you're a person of color, especially in the South, but I don't let that stop me. And so you just mentioned, you know, you were just doing your job, but it's just the experience is different for you as a person of color in a newsroom. And journalism is having a very long overdue kind of inward look about diversity in newsrooms and how that impacts coverage and, you know, how different communities have been impacted by journalism. 
So can you talk about why it's so important to have people from different backgrounds in the newsroom, kind of especially in the photojournalism field? I think it's important to have different people from different backgrounds in the newsroom in general, because we all come from different places in our lives. We all have been raised by different people who come from their own special places, and that definitely creates the person that we are. And so it's important to hire people of color. It's important to hire anyone in the spectrum of other, you know, people with disabilities. It's important to hire more women in different aspects, especially in photojournalism, there aren't that many women. I think it's important to hire people from all um, different backgrounds, whether that be race, religion, whether that be um, age, because I think it's important to hear from different aspects of people's lives. We're not all the same people and you can learn even from the smallest stories from your coworker if you just are open and listening. In addition to hiring people, I think that a lot of newsrooms come into it as, okay, I filled a quota. And it's like, well, if you're gonna hire this person, listen to them. It's not, it's not enough to just say, I hired them. It's like, what are you doing to make sure this person has all the resources that they need in a newsroom to get the job done they need to get done? Because sometimes, they're just filling a quota and then that person's left in, you know, kind of like a space where I don't, they, don't make, they may not have the tools that they need. And I think it's important to give that person an opportunity. And I think I mentioned this before, but I think in newsrooms, generational conversations is important too. I think that there have been, I have heard, you know, stories of people who have been in newsrooms for years who kind of, when they, get to meet or work with a younger person sometimes they have this idea of like you've got all this spunk you know just wait kid you know and it's like <laughs> um it's not the best way to meet someone like I, I i also at the same time understand that you have been through a lot i can't say that journalism has been an easy stretch of the road you know there were layoffs and during the recession and all that so i know it wasn't easy but if we can meet at a point where it's like you know, let's make something great. I think to to really understand that everyone's there just to collaborate and make great things. That I think that um, that would really help journalism go far. Yeah, that's awesome. I know as a young reporter, I feel like I've been thinking about those things as well. So you have done, and both in the newsroom and independently, um, so many incredible projects. I was looking at your website and I was like, every single one, I was like, this is just amazing. Um, but is there one specifically that you have worked on that kind of stands out to you that you kind of maybe come back to in your memory that was especially interesting or especially fulfilling? Um, when I was an intern at the Louisville Courier Journal, I got to take a portrait of two young boys who um, were becoming boxers in their neighborhood. They had had a troubled past and they found a boxing coach or a boxing coach found them and he was teaching them about boxing and they had been kind of adopted by their uncle. So I took the portrait and then I left um, because it was a three month internship. But then I had an opportunity to go back because um, I was working on my senior capstone story and I told the story, or at least I tried to tell the story of kind of their life. And I and and you know it's these two young boys who are adopted by their uncle who also had a hard background and um, the two young boys' uh, mother um, was shot and killed at their house when they were younger and um, it was kind of showing this like older gentleman their uncle trying his best to raise them even though he didn't have what he needed right and so for me that story is very impactful because it shows um, the effects of. I don't want to say generational trauma, but issues that affect people and how 
if they don't have the right resources, they may not be able to get what they need. And it kind of showed like a village that was wrapping around these two young boys to try to make sure that they didn't go down the same path, um, you know, that, that other people in their neighborhoods did. And so at the end of the story, you know, the youngest brother won his boxing match. And to this day, he is still boxing. He's, he's a big deal in Louisville, Kentucky. And I still follow his coach. I follow on Facebook just to see, you know, how he's come along. And I think it's so great to be able to have made that connection. You know, I spent a lot of time with them. You get to learn about people, you know, they ask you, you know, you're vulnerable. They ask you questions like, why are you doing this? And, you know, you get to answer questions. You get to share stories with them. And, and I guess for me, that's really important because um, like I said, people don't learn about their neighbors. And if I can just be a vessel to do that, I think that's really important. And, you know, the boy story is still continuing and, and you know, they've still had their ebbs and flows of good and bad, but I think that they have a village, like I said, around them, which is really great. And I'm, I'm excited to continue just to watch from a distance, you know, they, they progress into adulthood and uh, fatherhood and all that great stuff. That is awesome. That is definitely a really powerful project. And so you said you followed up with them later. Um, can you talk about kind of keeping in touch with people and, you know, treating people as people instead of just sources that you need something from that dynamic and that relationship and kind of how to do that in a good way? Yeah, I think it, it, it can be hard when you're working at a newspaper. You really have to, I mean, in general, as a human, you really have to invest time into things. I mean, you really have to, you have to make a mental note to say, I want to do this. And you have to connect. And it can be as small as just sending a message saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. Um, and it has to be something that you really care about. I think I think people can see through you coming in and being like, hey, I just need this, you know, I need to work on this for something. Um, but if you genuinely care, you can build that foundation. And I know so many great photojournalists, um, you know, millennial photojournalists who have still been able to do that, even if they are working at newsrooms. And I think it's important to, you know, let people know upfront what you are interested in doing you know, and see how it takes you there. I think it's also important to let the story unfold in front of you. You may come in with an idea and then that story may be flipped on its head and you have to be able to roll with those punches and really just, like I said, be open, honest, be um, vulnerable with the people you talk to because that's the relationship is what really matters. That is great. That is really good advice. Um, and so you're based in Atlanta and you grew up in Jonesboro, which is a suburb on the south side of Atlanta. Um, so how does it feel for you to be covering the place and the people in your hometown? It's honestly one of the best feelings. Um, I tell every person I can talk to that I have a love-hate relationship with the American South. It's not the best place for people of color. It has its issues and I mean, but I feel like America has its issues, but um so my freshman year of college, I told my academic advisor, I was like, I am going back to Atlanta. I'm going to work at the AJC. I have to tell these stories. I was like, there are people here. These stories need to be told. And I'm, I just feel so grateful that I was given the opportunity to work at the AJC. I, I don't take it for granted that I was given, you know, four years to tell the stories that I could. And I want to continue telling stories in Georgia and the American South because it's such a complicated but beautiful place. And I just want people that don't live here to see what's really happening. I mean, yes, there are issues with race. Yes, there are issues with, you know, Medicare, healthcare, environmental issues, but it's also a beautiful melting pot of people. And I kind of just want people who are not from Georgia to know how great it is. 
yeah, that is something I also feel because um, my family isn't from Georgia, but I've spent pretty much my whole life here and I grew up around Savannah um, and there is just a ton of diversity and beauty in Georgia and kind of in the South as a whole that I think gets written off a lot. And obviously that exists alongside major problems, but I really, I really love storytellers who are kind of trying to hover that duality and then the, you know, underrated beauty and kindness that is there. So um, you talked about this a little bit before, but your website says that, you know, one of your main goal is to create visuals to force your audience to possibly give a damn about their neighbors. So can you talk about that motivation and how it impacts your work as a photojournalist? Yeah, I, I, like I said before, it's so important to understand what other people are going through. If people don't read the news, you know, most people get their um, information from Twitter, they may not read the whole story. And I really believe in the power of visual storytelling as a key component of not necessarily making change, but allowing others to understand other people's plight. And I don't take for granted that people trust me with even a portrait, you know, it doesn't have to be a long form story. It can be enough that I meet them and I give them agency to tell their story the way that they want to. Like you don't know what your neighbor is going through, right? You see them, you wave, but you really don't know. And I, and I understand people, like I said, are very interested in showing off their best self which again, I think is fine, right? Uh, Beyonce does it and, <laughs> you know, celebrities do it, everyone's doing it. But I think that like we connect more on raw emotion. And the only way we can do that is to really understand what our neighbors are going through. Like there are so many grassroots organizations doing such great work in this state. And it's like, people don't know about them. And Georgia is such an awesome place. You know, we've got a swamp We've got the Okefenokee Swamp, we've got an ocean, we've got mountains, you know, we've got waterfalls, which is a pretty awesome place. And, you know, it is a transient um, state, I would say. I would say a city as well. I think Atlanta is transient. I think that a lot of people are not from here. Like you said, your parents aren't from here. My parents aren't from here either. I think a lot of people come here looking for opportunity. And then like, I'm a first generation Georgian. So it's like, do I want to stay? Do I want to be able to tell these stories? Or do I want to go somewhere else? And I'm really taking up my plight is to stay here and, and really explore and show people, like I said, how great this state is, even if it does suck sometimes too. Yeah, that is awesome. And so finally, what advice do you have for aspiring photojournalists? Okay, I feel like I have a two-part answer to this because I have so many people asking me about photojournalism. Um, I graduated from Western Kentucky University that has a really good photojournalism program, but I was the only person in my graduating class that wanted to work for a newspaper, the only one. Everyone else had kind of written them off because like I said, the recession had happened and so many newspapers were cutting visual jobs. And so my question will be, you know, what path are you wanting to take? Do you want to work in a newspaper? I think, I still think there are great newspapers out there that have great visuals departments that will allow you to grow, that will allow you to learn and explore. Um, and it also will allow you to kind of have, you know, consistent financial <laughs> because it's a full-time job. So I think it's really understanding what you want. So there's that pathway and the pathway of being freelance is harder, um, but you have the ability to say yes or no to an assignment. If you're not interested, you have the ability to really focus on a story that you want to tell. And like I tell people, 
your stories don't have to be huge. You could tell a story about a pageant queen in your community. That's interesting too. I don't think they all have to be sad. They can be happy. You know, they could be quirky. You know, there there's a great photojournalist who used to work at the Louisville Courier Journal, Dustin Strupp, who told a story of this tire shop owner who had a flock of parrots in his and it's like wow that's fun you know it doesn't have to be you know death it doesn't have to be destruction it can be happy things and I think that when you figure out what you want to tell your story about if you don't want to go the newspaper route you really have to hunker down and say okay I'm dedicating myself to this there are grants out there that you can get that will help you tell that story um, it will be harder. Like I said, you don't have a backing, but it will be more fulfilling, I feel, if you're able to sit down and get that done for yourself. But I think the biggest advice is like, know what you want. If you want to grow or you want that environment where you want to learn, go to a paper, but really in, like look into that newspaper and see if you're really going to get what you think you're going to get as far as learning and growth. And don't be afraid to speak up. Um, and don't forget that you have power. I think that honestly, that's something that I'm still working on, knowing that if I'm in a room, but I know I know what I'm talking about, speak up, don't be quiet. Who cares if someone, you know, is gonna call you out of your name, you know, or, or tell you, you know, be quiet, you're so young. You have to, your voice matters, everyone's voice matters. And, and you may be the youngest person in that room, but speak up. And, you know, you may not get the result you're looking for, but at least you are able to speak up and say what you needed. And I think that's the most important thing that I could tell young photojournalists. Awesome. That is incredible advice as someone who is an aspiring reporter and journalist. But thank you so much, Alyssa. This was an incredible conversation. I really appreciate you joining. Thank you, Jacqueline. I am so appreciative of being on this platform with you, and I look forward to hearing more. Thank you. Thank you again to Alyssa for joining me on this episode. I'm your host, Jacqueline Ganon. Our executive producer is Charlotte Norsworthy, and this show is supported by the Cox Institute. To keep up with the lead and hear more from media leaders, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at The Lead Podcast. See you next time.